listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. One. Ignition sequence start. Oh, Elijah on has David Robinson. Just bamboozled. Kelly out of the corner for three hitters. Don't ever underestimate the heart of a champion. The Houston Rockets select Yao Ming. McGrady at the buzzer. I know what we need to do. I know exactly what we need to do. Russell Westbrook, James Harden. I know what's at stake. It's going to be scary. Not for us. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Launchpad Podcast presented by Clutch City Control Room, your home for all things Houston. My name is Lashar Binkley. You can find me at H-Town-For-Life-40 on Twitter. And I'm your other host today, Zach Zola. You can find me on Twitter at @ZachZola1. Be sure to also hit follow on the official Clutch City Control Room account, which is at ClutchCityCR, as well as hitting the subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We would greatly appreciate it. And I'm definitely happy to be on, on with Zach. Um, our first official podcast. And I think a good way to kind of transition into what we're going to be talking about is um, to kind of introduce ourselves, um, kind of tell where, you know, how we got started, you know, where we're currently writing for, um, what got us into writing, you know, things like that. Because a couple of things we're going to be discussing today is the first two scrimmages, actual basketball, not simulation or speculation, actual (laughs) basketball being played. So um, I'll start off. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I'll start off. Um, I've been writing for like a year. Um, I'm assistant director of basketball at Overtime Heroics. I write for Space City Scoops and, of course, Clutch City Control Room. Um, I'm also on Facebook at Rockets for Life. I have a Facebook page and group. Um, like I said, I've been doing this for a year. I've been a diehard Rockets fan all my life. Um, so this is kind of just a natural transition for me. And I'm Definitely happen to be here and be able to actually talk about real basketball finally. For sure, man. I, uh, I'm kind of new to Rockets Twitter, actually. Um, you know, some of you might know me from my other account, Rockets Lead. So I appreciate all the interaction over there. Uh, I've been writing for a few websites. I'm excited to be at Clutch City Control Room now. You know, this is actually my official podcast debut on any site, which is super exciting for me because... I'm I'm from New York, so I don't really know a ton of Rockets fans. Uh, the only time that I actually get to talk about the Rockets is when I'm arguing about how many MVPs James Harden should have won by now. The correct oh, yes. answer is four, by the way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, but so this is great. I love hanging out with you uh, here uh, with a fellow Rockets fan. Talk about some basketball. Yes, definitely. And um, like I mentioned before, we're going to uh, discuss both games. Uh, I'll, yeah. I'll start off. Um, kind of giving my good and bad from, you know, the first game against Toronto and the game that actually just wrapped up around 10 or 15 minutes ago against Memphis. Mm-hmm. Um, talking about the Toronto game, uh, like I said, it was just good to see basketball back on the court with fans, without fans. At this point, I really didn't care. I was just happy to see basketball. And um, definitely was surprised to see Westbrook out there, even though I probably shouldn't have been because it's Westbrook. And if he's anywhere near a court, he's going to want to play. But – um, some of the things I kind of took from that game was, to me, it seemed like the ball movement was was really good. It was seemed like they were moving the ball around. Um, they were making the correct passes. 
Harden and, and Westbrook, in, at least in the first quarter, looked great. He looked like he was up to speed. He looked like he really didn't miss a beat, at least in the first quarter. Um, as far as um, on the defensive side, the switches were kind of slow, which you kind of expect since they haven't really played in four months, you know, team basketball. There's only so much you can really do in practice. Um, but the first half, it was kind of like a back and forth between the two teams. Um, you kind of saw where the Rockets' strengths are, of course, the three ball. Then you kind of saw where their weaknesses are, which is transition and giving up the inside scoring, you know, to players like Siakam and even when Ibaka came in the game. So um, the first half was, like I said, kind of even. It was a really good game up to that point. You couldn't really even tell it was a first scrimmage. Um, the second half, that's kind of where things kind of start falling apart, which you can kind of expect because Westbrook didn't even play in the second half. Um, Harden only played the third quarter. And through three quarters, Rockets actually had the lead. So, I mean, that's some good signs. The problem kind of ran into the fourth quarter when you bring in your bench, when you don't have Harden or Westbrook, and you really don't have any playmakers coming off the bench, uh, especially with Austin Rivers not playing. So, um, of course, you know, the Rockets lost that game, but I, I don't think the final score really is that big of a factor in these games, especially yeah, in the scrimmage. I mean, so. it's, it's scrimmages, so we, we really don't have to think too much about uh, results. I mean, the Rockets ended up winning tonight's game, but – even that is uh, kind of irrelevant in the grand scheme of things. Uh, in the Raptors game, you touched on Westbrook getting to play uh, after it wasn't so certain he would be able to right away. And right out of the gate, he looked incredible uh, yes. off the dribble and in transition uh, and even finding uh, open shooters on drives. So that was probably one of my biggest takeaways is that Russ hasn't lost a step at all, um, which is something I was definitely afraid of after the time off. Um, he's, he's still attacking. Uh, you saw it, especially in that Raptors game. Um, what were some of the other big positives you took from the first game against the Raptors? I, I would say definitely Daniel House. Um, yeah. He definitely shot the ball well. He looked really active. Um, he was getting to the correct spots. Uh, he didn't seem hesitant as he did, you know, in some other games earlier in the season. It just kind of seemed like he was just like really in the flow of the offense. And I don't know if it was just because he was coming off the bench and he was able to kind of see how the game was going, but he yeah, definitely I mean, looked good. We'll definitely talk more about Daniel House tonight in our uh, second segment, yeah. but I totally agree with you. He he looked like a totally different player in that first game. Uh, uh, some more of the old, Daniel House tonight, but yes. that's a different story. Um, <laughs> I want to say my biggest takeaway or my biggest positive so far from the Rockets across both games has been uh, James Harden. Uh, I know that's like an easy kind of answer there, um, but he has just been ridiculously good in his shooting and his uh, his finding open open players on the perimeter and not to mention his defense, um, which is something I was a little worried about because he lost all that weight over quarantine and people were worried that his post defense would fall off, but it really hasn't been an issue at all. Uh, He had a bunch of possessions tonight, especially against Jonas Valanciunas and Brandon Clark, where he caused strips, fadeaways, missed shots. Um, He's looked 
absolutely great. He looks totally ready to go. I'm super excited to see him in a regular season setting in the playoffs uh, later this season. Yeah, and like you say, I mean, I think people kind of underestimate Harden's strength just overall. And, uh, you know, if you've been on Rockets Twitter, you've seen the the tweets go back and forth about Harden's post-defense. So people shouldn't be surprised, but I think people focus so much on – Well, I think non-Rockets fans are the ones that don't (laughs) understand. And that's exactly where I'm going. People focus way too much on the, the, you know – few second highlight clip from sports <laughs> the somebody's driving by six years ago exactly and they yeah. don't focus on that Harden is probably I would say top five top ten post defenders in the league even at his size and you know the numbers bear that out um so yeah definitely Harden's post defense and not only is scoring it's just he's really efficient you, you know he's not having to take 30 yeah. shots to get his 30 points I mean I, tonight he had 31, 8, and 9 in a scrimmage. In a scrimmage. That's, That's ridiculous. Crazy. I mean, he's he's feeling it. He is, he's in the zone right now. I'm hoping that can continue because the Rockets are going to need him um, for sure. He's he's the key to this team on um, the offensive side of the court, and they're going to need his, his defense as well, as we talked about. Um, so how do you think how do you think small ball has looked so far? What are your what are your initial thoughts in these two scrimmage games is it a good continuation of what we've seen or is it are you are you out on it are you in so i i've always been even when they made the trade that i thought it was the right trade just because i think the rock where the rockets play and the way westbrook play clint capella was never really going to be a fit with russell westbrook and yeah. clint capella doesn't do enough of the other things to where you can say yeah. well He's not doing this, but at least he can spread the floor. He's he's not right. Jeff Green. So two, he, two non-shooters in a volume shooting starting lineup. Exactly. That's that's a bad recipe and your exactly. space yeah. would be your space would be Oklahoma City Thunder space. And, <laughs> you know, yeah. we that, that basically doesn't work out for Westbrook in the long run. It's just it's too no. hard on for him to continue to make his own shots against three or four defenders. He doesn't have to do that now. So I like small ball. Um I don't know what you think about it, but I think it's the perfect fit for what this team does right now. Yeah, so I, you know, I've, I've had mixed thoughts on it, but right now my thought is I think one thing that hasn't been talked about a lot, at least, is the time that now Mike D'Antoni has to prep for it. Um, so basically when we made the trade, um, we had no chance to kind of prep a system for Robert Covington. Mike D'Antoni was kind of – it was kind of – forced onto the team right away. There was no time to work through it, no practices, right into games. And now we've had four months for offensive guru Mike D'Antoni to figure it out, so to speak. And I think that's going kind of under the radar is what he's been able to figure out. And there's no telling how good small ball can be, but I trust Antoni with these four months of time to study it, plan for it, and now with kind of this semi-training camp that we've gotten before the games, I feel a lot more confident now than I did four months ago um, with with the way that this roster is constructed just because I feel like we've had now the time to put the right plays and, and sets in place um, that we might not have been able to to pinpoint before. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think people kind of lost that fact when the Rockets lost four in a row yeah. right before 
you know, the, the, the season was paused. Of course, they got that, that last win right before the season paused, but they had lost four in a row and they looked kind of bad. And people were like, well, see, small ball doesn't work. But you have to factor in, they made a trade for Covington. And during the season, mm-hmm. you don't have that much practice time. So they were trying to implement in Robert Covington and Damari Carroll and trying to get all that together on the fly. And like you said, you give them four months now and also exactly. a training camp. It's gonna make a it make a huge difference, and you're yeah. gonna see them actually put plays in that kind of fit with small ball. Yeah, I, I'm excited, and we've we've seen that now in the first two preseason uh, two scrimmage games. They the isolation possessions have dropped dramatically. We've yes. been moving the Rockets have been moving the ball at a ridiculous rate to compare to what they have been, and we're generating so many open shots on the perimeter. And when they're falling, the Rockets can be unstoppable because you can't guard that much space. It's, it's just not uh, possible. Um, so I love that's, that's probably uh, that's one thing that I've just absolutely loved about the, the two scrimmages, um, the ball movement. Um, they've, they've been moving the ball really well, especially um, on drives, kicking it out and roll men uh, like the PJ Tuckers and the Jeff greens catching the ball inside the post and, immediately looking to the corners for an open three and uh, it's been working like a charm um why don't we why don't we talk about the the grizzlies game tonight because this was kind of an interesting game uh a little bit up and down a little bit lethargic at times but also a little bit a little bit exciting towards the end there yeah, I mean, if you if you look at it, it was kind of an up and down game. Yeah, you kind of saw where when the Rockets are hitting their threes, the Grizzlies had no chance. Right, uh, they got back into the game in the third quarter when the Rockets couldn't make a shot. I mean, Westbrook, you saw the rust, and and again, with Westbrook, um, this was something I was kind of going back and forth with people on Twitter. I'm not really focusing on if he's making shots or not because people got to realize, you know, he tested positive for COVID nineteen. He got to camp late. He hasn't played organized basketball for four months. He's only been there a few days. So he's going to be rusty. So Westbrook's like the last person in the world I'm really worried I, about I, when it comes I to I agree that. with you. I agree with you. But at the same time, I was, I'm, I'm a little disappointed in his shot selection. I can't lie to you. Like he, he has taken, by my count, at least four threes over the last two games, <laughs> which is probably more than he's taken in the two months before uh, play stopped. Uh, I, I, you know, I hope you're right. I hope it's just, you know, he's getting used to the flow and he, he doesn't want to drive to the rim every time to, you know, make sure he's, he's not breaking anything. Um, yeah. And I think that's the thing. When, when you haven't practiced a lot, you kind of fall back into, well, let's let me yeah. jack up a three instead of going hard to the rim because maybe I don't have the stamina. Maybe I'm still trying to work myself back into it. And I do agree the shot selection, he can't revert back to 2019 Westbrook. He needs to stick to what he was doing after yeah. the calendar turnover to 2020 for sure. No, I, I think that's fair. And I think, uh, I think hopefully he gets better with that. I just hope he has enough time to get back into the game flow. And, you know, the eight, the eight regular season games should hopefully be enough by the playoffs. Um, but that's definitely going to be something to watch for as we go to see if Russ is settling or if he's attacking the rim. Because when he's attacked the rim these last two games, he has been unstoppable, and it's been it's been great to see. Um, how about uh, the the defense in general? How do you feel about the the defense in these the game tonight specifically? 
So it, again, it's it's a, like the third quarter, and I think it goes back to when they're hitting their shots. Because if they're missing their shots, then they are not a very good transition defense yep. defensive team. So like that third quarter, the Grizzlies were just beating them down the court pretty much every single time. And when they're missing their shots, teams can get out on a the run. They're getting wide open threes. But in the fourth quarter, they're making their shots. I actually think their half court defense. Was, it actually has been pretty good, especially, I was say, yeah, especially I, Harden and Gordon. Yeah, I, there was a – the Grizzlies announcers tonight were talking. It, it was like the first quarter, and they were like, the Grizzlies have 18 fast break yes. points, which is, which is terrible. There's no, no, no ifs, ands, and buts about it. But that also meant they had like zero half-court points. Um, the, they just couldn't score on us in the, in the half-court sets, especially – in the fourth quarter um, with the game, I guess, on the line. I guess it didn't really matter. But the game was on the line, technically. Um, and the Rockets completely shut them down every time down the court. That was due to switching. And, and even with P.J. and Covington both fouling out. Um, yes. So I really liked what I saw from them uh, with the switching. I felt that their switches had more meaning behind them. They weren't just switching to switch. They were kind of reading the offense a lot better than they have been in the past and making the right reads. Um, so I'm hoping that that's something that will continue. And I, I, I think that it will because um, I think the rest helps the Rockets on defense a lot. So I think that's what the time off will help with the most, the, the defensive communication and um, awareness and, and hustle. Um, so that's something that I'm I'm looking forward to uh, keeping tabs on as we move forward. Yeah, definitely. And and like you were saying, the, the switches were perfect. And also, Harden just completely took Giannis Vandersloot out of the game. They pretty yep. much set him for the fourth quarter because Harden was not letting him get to the basket like he was earlier in the game. That's I I, I have an article coming out about this will probably come out tomorrow. It's um, about how teams feel that they can, their centers can dominate with the small ball opposition, but they really don't seem to be able to um, because the Rockets just can outrun them off the floor and they don't get the opportunities or they're forcing shots just for the sake of forcing shots. Um, I'll talk more detail about that in my article, but that's a good point you make. Valanchunas was totally, um, taken off the floor. He was unable to play, which which is exactly what the Rockets want. We want the the other team to have to play to us rather than them play their own style and we can't keep up. Yes, definitely. And um, so coming up in the next segment, we're going to be discussing uh, Eric Gordon and Daniel House. Who do we think should start? Who do we think should come off the bench? And we're going to kind of go deeper into the rotation because, um, of course, you know, eight games, you're going right into the playoffs. We're going to kind of discuss who do we think should get the minutes. So definitely stay tuned for our next segment. Support for this podcast comes from AT&T. 5G from AT&T is fast, reliable, secure, and nationwide. So should you switch? Well, historically, those were the reasons new tech was adopted. Neanderthals saw that fire heated things fast and made their caves secure from rampaging woolly mammoths. The ancient Romans saw that the aqueducts were a reliable and fast way to transport water, so they stopped carrying water jugs on their backs and adopted them nationwide. 
Oh, and uh, 1800s Victorians saw electricity light up rooms fast and be more reliable than candles blowing out, so they stopped bumping into walls and made it nationwide. Today is no different. Switching to AT&T 5G is kind of a no-brainer. I mean, historically speaking, it's smarter than candles, water pots, and hungry dinosaurs. AT&T 5G. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan may not be in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. And we are back here at the Launchpad Podcast presented by Clutch City Control Room. We're going to discuss now um, kind of some rotation questions that have been popping up. I'd say the biggest, the biggest thing is uh, Eric Gordon versus Daniel House in the starting lineup. D'Antoni has been questioned on this a lot in the last few days and has basically come out and said that Eric Gordon will be starting um, come the regular season. He started the last two scrimmage games. Daniel House has come off the bench. In the, in the season before it got postponed, Daniel House was starting for the most part. Um, so, Lashard, tell me, tell me what you think. Who, who do you prefer in the starting lineup? Do you agree with D'Antoni? that uh, Gordon should start, or do you think that House should retain his spot? Or maybe someone else. I don't know. Could be anyone. <laughs> so so I will say, I'll preface it by saying, I'm a big Eric Gordon fan, and I've kind of, okay. I'm kind of dying on that hill right now. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, but even saying, that, now. even saying that, I think Daniel House should still start, because I think Eric Gordon oh, yeah. fits better with the second unit. I think he needs the ball in his hands more or at least the, the ability to have the ball in his hands. And I think being in that starting lineup, he kind of just fades into the background and he doesn't get as involved as he should, especially with his shot not falling. And honestly, he's being – right now he's better going to the basket than shooting 25, 30-foot three. So, honestly, I think Gordon should be coming off the bench like he was, you know, for the last couple of years. I- I, I have such mixed feelings about this. I'm going back and forth in my head. Like, uh, I, I totally agree with you that he get his value in the starting lineup takes a massive hit in the sense that there's no real point to him in the lineup. He he doesn't really add much to the. We already have scores. We we already have playmakers in the starting lineup. As bench, he can kind of be that guy. Yeah. At the same time, if he's a starter he will get a lot less defensive attention. So he'll have more room to shoot, more room to operate on drives. Um, So there's that factor. But at the end of the day, I probably agree with you that he fits in better with the bench unit and um, especially in those Russell Russell Westbrook bench units. Um, I I just don't think that his skill set is is necessarily needed in the starting lineup but at the same time I also don't think Daniel I I don't know if Daniel House has done enough to deserve that spot uh I so there's no real great answer uh for me right now it's it's kind of a bad situation in for me personally I don't know so so I would say I mean with 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 Daniel House, he gives you more athleticism when he's not falling to the ground and missing wide open dunks. But like for for instance, in these two scrimmages, he's he's actually looked pretty good um off the dribble, step back threes, getting to the basket. So if he just played within himself, kinda like he was before he got the contract, when everybody, you know, thought he was the greatest player ever and how could we yeah. let him go back to the G League and I mean he looked great because. then. 
a simpler um, time. <laughs> times. If he can get back to that, he'll be a perfect fit in the starting lineup. So but I think at the end of the day, it really comes down to who's going to be finishing the game. And honestly, I don't think either one, if Jeff Green continues to play as good as he has, and then um, you, you probably have him in a starting line or a finishing lineup with Covington, with P.J. Tucker, and Harden and Westbrook. So I don't even know if either one of them are going to even finish the game. You think Jeff Green should uh, finish games? I am a Jeff. Why why don't you talk about this? You just had an article published about uh, Jeff Green and Gordon. Why don't you talk about a little bit about Jeff Green? Okay, so so I think people, when they see Jeff Green, they think of Jeff Green with Utah this year where where he just didn't fit at all. Him and Quinn Mm -hmm. Snyder didn't get along. He wasn't playing well. He actually sat for two months, basically, where nobody had any interest in him. And he comes to the Rockets, and in 10 games, he's shooting over 40% from three. He's averaging over 10 points. Um, the Rockets' offensive rating has actually doubled when he's on the court. And like you saw tonight, he's instant offense off the bench, and he gives you something that P.J. Tucker can't give you. He gives you a, a big man that can score off the dribble and that can actually shoot from all around the court, not just from the corner. So I think he just fits perfect in the small ball type of he's exactly what Daryl Moore wants in a, a small ball center. So I think a lot of times at the end of games, his defense, you know, I can, you know, you can live or die kind of with his defense, but I think he just fits perfect with what they need as far as a small ball center or power forward. Higher yeah. Put him. So with, with the trade of Capella and I guess, you know, with, and with Jeff Green instead as the quote unquote small ball center, you lose defense, but you gain three-point shooting, ball handling, playmaking. Um, you know, uh, both of them have good athleticism. So I, I, do, I do agree with you. He's, he's been a great fit for this Rockets offense. Um, I really like tonight against the Grizzlies where he would catch the ball in the posts on a roll and then kick it open to P.J. Tucker for an open yes. three um, in the corner. And I, I really am intrigued by the idea of those two playing together um, because I think that they can, they can both do that, kind of kick it out to one another in, on the perimeter um, and all, while also spacing the floor for uh, Harden and, and Westbrook. Um, I, finishing games, I, I don't know. That's interesting. I, I, it's hard. It's I, see, I'm more of an Eric Gordon fan for the closing lineups rather than the starting lineups, I have to say. Cause... So, so if I can get Eric Gordon circa Golden State Warrior Series a couple years ago, he'll fit perfect. But like you said, he's – it's just – I don't know if it's rust. His shot is just still not there. And hopefully, again, he's working through that now because he had the knee injury. He's been hurt on and off all year. Yeah. So – if he can get his shot back, then then I'm perfectly fine with him finishing games. Um, but it's just a matter of are we going to get the, you know, three-point champion Eric Gordon back? Are we going to get the – honestly, I'm not even exaggerating. Probably one of the worst players to start the year. Now, he, <laughs> or he, this year. Yeah. No, he, his game-to-game ceiling is, is very high, but his floor is so low. And it's, yes. like, disgustingly low. And it's – like shocking every time he it's it's it can it can be awful but he also he brings uh something that Jeff Green doesn't have which is an underrated defensive presence and 
I've actually, you know, I qu- I've quite come to like Eric Gordon as a as a perimeter defender because he's he's deceivingly strong. Yes. Um, and he has he's also quick, so he has an ability to stay with some bigger guys and some some bigger wing players, um, which Jeff Green does, just does not have. Um, so that's that's what uh, that's what I think Eric Gordon has there. I also, to Eric Gordon's credit, um, his in the past when his shot isn't falling, he he just you know chucks it up, chucks it up more. In the in the last two scrimmage games I've seen, he he's shown a better tendency to pass more um, and not always look for the contested three. Um, I saw it tonight a lot. He would he would um you know look for daniel house or i saw him make a couple nice passes to ben mclemore rather than you know forcing a drive or forcing a three um so i will say that he's he's looked good in that regard um let me throw something crazy at you lachard i i what what if what if ben mclemore is the starting small forward so i know So, so Macklemore reminds me of Gerald Green in the fact that That's, when he's no. when he's when he's hot, he is he is on fire. When, when has Jeff Green ever made scored you know twenty six points no. on eight three pointers made? So 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 when he's on fire, he's great. But his defense is just it, even tonight. He was great tonight scoring the ball, but still his defense is just too many times players just blow right by him and it. it it just runs me crazy. I, I love Ben Blackmore in small doses. Just not, I can't, not 20, 30 minutes a game, I would say. Ben yes. Blackmore, I think he's a, he's a perfect player coming off the bench because he can just come in and just, just fire. Just fire know, away as he's coming to game. I just need to make sure he's in. I like him playing with Russ and Harden, though, because I need – I you know I need to make sure that he he gets open shots. If he's if he's only with one of them, there's a, there's a greater chance that he'll be guarded more heavily. Um, with with Russ and Harden both of the game, he can be involved in so many switches and and role plays and and slips around the perimeter, and he's always open in those situations. Um, he I I tend to feel like he plays better when he's with both of those guys. And, and and like I say, it's not a horrible idea because you're right. When Harden and Westbrook are in the game, people are not going to be focusing their attention. Even if you look at it, if you just pause it, when Harden has the ball, everybody's looking at Harden. Everybody's inching towards yeah. right towards Harden, and people have wide open shots all game long. So it's not a horrible idea. And I, I think it's just it just depends on D'Antoni because we all know D'Antoni is stubborn. And I don't know if you saw the quote he had about why Eric Gordon is starting. <laughs> yeah, he basically I was, was going to say, I, because I he's better. To say that. <laughs> so I it's like, kidding. it's like, well, nothing else matters because he's like, he's already made up his mind. He's like, well, because he's better. So I don't know yeah. what you do with that. But um, like you said, it, it really going to come down to um, if D'Antoni is going to be able to trust Macklemore and is he going to trust um, Daniel House? Yeah, well, that, well, that's another question. Is he, how about, how about guys like Damari Carroll and, and someone who we haven't seen yet, Luke and Mute? What, what do you make of those guys? Do you see them fitting into the rotation at all moving forward, or are they going to be bench players? So it's, it's going to be tough for either one because Carroll's not getting a lot of minutes now, and Austin Rivers is not even playing. 
Yeah. So it's going to be a matter of if somebody gets hurt or somebody gets in foul trouble, hopefully just Covington and Tucker getting in foul trouble is kind of just a scrimmage thing. But I, I think it's going to, that's going to kind of determine that. I, anyway, let me, let me backtrack for one second. Cause you brought up rivers. Um, I just want to make this one point. I, he, him missing uh, is, is huge for the Rockets. Cause Russell Westbrook and Eric Gordon tend to play together um, in, in minutes together. It kind of helps them. Uh, it kind of helps them. But in the games that we've seen, James Harden has been kind of been the lone ball handler, um, which has made it totally easy for defenses to trap him, uh, full court press him and, and trap him in the half court. So when he gets Austin Rivers back, um, he'll be able to find another ball handler that he can trust and pass to and, and create offense for. Well, um, it's it's hardened and not Westbrook in the game. But anyways, back to Carroll. Um, I I know it's it's hard for D'Antoni to trust these guys, and but he did play tonight only a little bit. I actually really loved what I saw from Carroll, other than that wide open botch layup <laughs> slash dunk, whatever that was. Um, I I thought he was really. A, really, really active. The second he came into the game, he um, was like a coming to miss three, and he like dove for the ball out of bounds and, and passed it to Jeff Green, who came in for a soaring dunk, which was beautiful to see. Um, so he's just making energy plays like that. I think he's one of the few guys on the Rockets that you can, you can bet is going to bring it in terms of energy every single night. Um, and I also think that he – he knows the game. He seems to have a very high basketball IQ. He was making a lot of good cuts, even when he wasn't touching the ball, bringing his defender over so that there was no weak side help or um, uh, creating room for shooters. Um, and of course he is an elite defender in my opinion. Um, so I think if D'Antoni can just widen his grasp, loosen his grasp just a little and give minutes to this guy, I think that will benefit the Rockets a lot. I think he does a lot of things that the Rockets need. And I, and I think he can be a person that you bring in in certain situations, even once the playoffs start. Like if you need a stop um, towards the end of the game, I think he'll be a, a, a perfect player to bring in. So I think he still has value on the team. It's just a matter of how many minutes is he going to get? Is it just going to be like a, a situational type thing, or is he going to get actual minutes? But I think with Rivers coming back and having a full roster, um, I think Carroll's minutes are probably going to be kind of here and there. And I don't know how much Luke is really going to play unless like Jeff Green or Tucker, God forbid, one of them get hurt. I don't know how many yeah. minutes they're probably going to get because Luke hasn't played in years. This is what, what do you th- what do you make of Luke? Do you think he'll be anywhere near he was in 2018, or do you think it's just unlikely? <laughs> I mean, I would love to believe he, he he will be, but the last time I saw him play with the Clippers, it Ugh. definitely wasn't um, anything to be encouraged about. But again, maybe he's been working on, maybe he's back to because I mean, let's be honest, a couple of years ago, Luke was actually playing better than Trevor Reza before he got hurt. Yeah, so for sure. if we can get that look back, great. But I just don't – I think he's more just an emergency type player right now. I have uh, – yeah, I have no idea what to expect with him. But one thing I will say is Daryl Morey I, – I trust Daryl Morey. He signed him for a reason. He must, he must have some faith in the guy. And if Daryl Morey has some faith in the guy, I will have some faith in the guy as well. 
Um, hopefully it works out. I have no idea, but if it does work out, that would be absolutely huge for the Rockets. Another, another versatile defender um, who can get stops and, and who can also knock down a three every once in a while. I mean, I will say, I would, honestly, I would rather have him than Thabo Cephalosha. Just oh, yeah. honestly, I just think his Absolutely. upside is a lot higher than Cephalosha. So that was, when you, yeah. when you, if you factor in those two things, and I think it's a, you know, it's a, it's a win-win situation. With yeah, Thabo not coming to Orlando was a big win for the Rockets. <laughs> so I'm not going to complain about that. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that'll, that'll do it for us for this yeah, uh, episode. This is fun. I definitely had a great time. Thank you for, for joining me. I definitely look forward to doing it again. For sure. Uh, so that's going to do it for today's episode. So if you haven't already done so, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast episodes. And if you appreciate the digital and podcast breakdowns, analysis, speculation, and guest voices, and just all the camaraderie on our team, please consider clicking the link in the description to check out our monthly Patreon subscription options. As always, thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to having you back for our next episode of the Launchpad Podcast covering your favorite team and my favorite team, the Houston Rockets. And my favorite team. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) 